all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. We're going to be taking your calls during the hour concerning any type of health issue or other health-related topics that you need answered. That's right, any kind of medication change or question about maybe a new medication that you're thinking about going on or you saw in the news, or perhaps it's a new symptom or a diagnosis that you hadn't got quite the answers that you need, you can call us this morning to get the answers to your questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you're not able to call this morning, you can always email us. It doesn't have to be while we're on the air. It can be any time that you think of something. I know lots of things sort of pop up in between our programming. The email address is remedy at mpbonline.org. Should also mention our website at uh, mpbonline.org. If you search for Southern Remedy, you can look for archive programs. Maybe you just came in a little bit late on a program uh, and wanted to know what the previous uh, discussions were. You can do that, or you can subscribe to our podcast. And if you'll just search for Southern Remedy on MPB Online, uh, you can uh, subscribe to that. Hope everybody's having a wonderful winter. We finally got the winter weather here. It was quite the shift, um, going from 80 to 25 or, 20 or 30 degrees ish. Um, it's quite the shock, really. Uh, it's almost like traveling across the country there. But I hope everybody had a safe and uh, and good holiday season. I know we uh, enjoyed uh, getting to see some uh, family members for the first time in a long time. I know a lot of people have um, you know had some exposures to COVID, particularly with the Omicron variant, which is much more easier to uh, to contract that, uh, even in those individuals who are vaccinated. I do want to put a plug out there to va- for vaccinations, though. What we're seeing right now is uh, just what you've heard about in the news, that basically if you are vaccinated, particularly if you were able to get three vaccines in, then that is the most protected. Uh, uh, the patients who've, who've gotten COVID, particularly Omicron, have been very protected with that and have shown very little symptoms uh, at all. So um, there's a, a lot of uh, lot of uh, other information out there, but certainly there's a lot of uh, a lot of concern about that right now. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you have any kind of questions, we're going to go to our first caller, who is Laura, who's on the road. Good morning, Laura. Hi, Jimmy. Um, or do- Doctor Jimmy, I mean. Um, sure. My question. <laughs> my question is, um, uh, it relates to my daughter. She has Pops dysautonomia, 
mm-hmm. the result of Ehlers Danlos syndrome, and um, she's she's got a symptom that has become much worse lately, and it's like a trem- tremor, like her hand will shake, her tongue will shake, her arm will shake. She'll feel it in her chest, and um, I remember she's seen a lot of doctors. I remember one doctor. Um, but it might be her thyroid at one time when she had the tumor. And we're just trying to reach out and see um, if there's something on your radar that you could think of. Um, in fact, she was your patient once. Oh, okay. Yeah, tremors can be um, a number of things. Now, you, you mentioned two, I believe you said Ehlers-Danlos also, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So a couple, couple of different other things that are going on. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is uh, a disorder of connective tissue disease. Uh, uh, so the connective tissues in our body help hold things together. And there's different types of Ehlers-Danlos, but basically all of those can, they can put you at at, at risk of having various things from fractures to lens dislocation in your eye to hyperextensibility in joints, and um, they you know require a lot of monitoring over time. The other thing that you mentioned is Potts syndrome, which is a it is a dysautonomia. So that means that your autonomic nervous system helps to regulate blood pressure and pulse rate to make sure that every time we don't move around, like getting from a uh, sitting position to a standing position or for lying down and then get up, it makes sure that your blood pressure rises and your heart rate rises appropriately so that you don't pass out. And if you're doing other activities, uh, there's a lot of regulation of blood flow and lots of different mechanisms in the body. Uh, A person with POTS uh, syndrome does not have the ability or they lose the ability to regulate that. And it can be very frustrating, very hard to treat. Um, it is a pretty complex uh, way to to, um, to diagnose it, and a lot of times you sort of run through some other diagnoses first. Mm-hmm. But ba- basically, you know, there's things like uh, staying hydrated and uh, certain medications that can help uh, raise the blood pressure or keep the blood pressure in an appropriate range. As far as associated tremors with that, Tremors can be a lot of different things. So uh, you mentioned one of them, a thyroid disorder, particularly an overactive thyroid that's making too much thyroid hormone. Uh, that can cause a sort of a, rest, a, a baseline tremor that usually happens throughout the body. So it's usually not something that is very isolated. Um, a tremor that's isolated to one point in the body makes you think about things like seizure disorders and uh, particularly if it's the same way every time. Sometimes it may be a little bit different. Now that that, that can also be a little bit hard to tease out um, and require some further testing. And then beyond that, there's a whole list of things. If your blood pressure gets too low, a lot of times you can have tremors with that. Um, you think about situations not just in patients that have POTS disease, but if they have other um, if they have other medical uh, uh, um, symptoms like vomiting for a prolonged period of time or low blood sugar or uh, any of those can cause a reaction in the body that can make you you have tremors. So um, if if those things aren't going on. At the same time, then we start to look beyond that to sort of see. Mm -hmm. Now, 
the good thing is if it's happening in multiple areas, you mentioned the tongue, you mentioned several other places in the body, it makes me think of more systemic type things rather than like a seizure disorder or those kinds of things. Medications can also be a cause of it, depending on what types of medication. Sometimes uh, you'll have uh, um, uh, things that pop up like tardive dyskinesias uh, that are complications of, of certain medications. I think the best the best starting point from this is to write down in a diary sort of what what happens around the time that she has these tremors and then take that to your physician. And it doesn't have to be a specialist right off the bat, and sometimes it, it helps to not be a specialist just because you need somebody that can tease out these things, get some basic labs or tests if they're, if they're needed, uh, depending on the uh, sort of what the symptoms are, do a good physical exam, and then move forward from there. Maybe it's a specialist that she needs after that. Um, a lot of times we'll jump, you know, in the sort of the, the normal progression of these things, You'll jump to a specialist, and they're really just looking at one particular area, like a cardiologist is just looking at the heart and blood vessels and blood pressure, and a neurologist would only be looking at the neurologic conditions. So a lot of times having somebody who's, who's you know, just a, a general right. internal medicine or a pediatrician uh, or a family medicine physician can be more advantageous just because you get to uh, you know, you get um, you get sort of a broader view of things first, and then you can sort of check some things off the list. So, not a whole lot of specific help for you, I know, but basically, oh, no, that, really. that's some of the You're, things that that come to mind. The idea about the, the non-specialist is something that is really going to be helpful because we, my instinct is, well, we go to a cardiologist. But you're right; they're they're seeing through a narrow lens because it's what they are their specialty, you know. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, and, and you just think about, you know, sometimes I've seen a lot of patients that they've sort of bounced around between different specialists, and when you take more of a, if you step back, so to speak, and take sort of a broader view and maybe get um, get the history. The other thing is I don't fault anybody physician-wise that's seen patients because sometimes there's a lot of things out there, a lot of symptoms that it just takes time. And it's frustrating for the patient and their family, and it's also frustrating for the physician. But some of these take, uh, you know, just a little bit of time to uh, see patterns and see associations of things um, or see a difference in the physical exam before you get to a diagnosis. But I would start there with a, uh, a generalized uh, physician uh, and, and see where you can go from there. Okay, that's a good idea. I'll get a fresh look because I've been thinking maybe that's what we need. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. I'm Coach Charlie Melton, and I want to help steer you in the right direction. If you need coaching on fixing up your automobile, listen to our podcast, AutoCorrect, found on all podcasting platforms. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your questions about any kind of health care issue that might be bothering you or someone in your family. The number to call this morning is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Kevin in Biloxi. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, doctor. Got a question about essential tremor disorder. Sure. My uh, my uh, osteopath, because I went to him after after noticing the shaking in my hand and on my chest, and I went to him and he diagnosed it as essential tremor disorder. Now my question is, he put me on gabapentin, which he upped my gabapentin from six hundred and fifty to twelve uh, thirteen hundred milligrams a day. Now I think it's getting worse. Is this just something I'm going to have to live with? Well, if it's getting worse, well, essential tremor, it's its one of the most common tremors in adults. Um, and it usually it involves the hands and it's brought on by, by your, when you, you know, have any kind of m- movement in your arms uh, or if you're, you know, holding your arm out against gravity. Uh, it is slowly progressive. It's usually not quickly progressive, though, and it can affect the head, the voice, and uncommonly the legs. Um, so there's a, a number of things that you can do. Gabapentin is one. That is a medication that's used. It was originally used as a seizure medication, and then it was also well, I, have to be, a seizure, I have a seizure disorder. Oh, okay. Okay. So they may be using it for both things then. Um, but, you know, usually it's, it's um, you, you use medications if it becomes, a, you know, a, a problem. There are other medications out there, though. Uh, Gabapentin is actually not one of the first line, but they, like you said, they may be uh, using that for two different purposes with the seizure disorder and with the tremor. But there are things like uh, uh, Promidone and uh, Propranolol are two uh, that work a little bit differently. Um, and uh, there's some other things that you can do, too. I mean, there's a lot of, of other advanced, uh, particularly if it gets really bad. But I would I would probably step back. Is this a neurologist, you said, or just a general? Um... No, osteopath. Yeah. Osteopath. Okay. So, um you may want to, if it's not getting better with that, suggest or ask some questions about other therapies for that, like the Promidone and the Propranolol. If if you can't tolerate that, or if there's a reason why you can't go on that, then going to see a neurologist, I think, at that point would be the next step. Um, now, if it's if it is just related to your hands or arms, sometimes there's even like uh, um, botulinum toxin injections can be uh, uh, something that they can do. Usually, those are just for the voice. If it's a, it starts to affect your voice, though. So, um, but I would I would go back to your main doctor and say, hey, this is doesn't seem to be working. Is there anything else that you can do? And at that point, they may even want to send you to the neurologist because they're sort of the experts on this. Mm. All right, Doc. I will check out with my neurologist then. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for calling. Let's go to uh, Caroline, who is uh, calling from the road. Good morning, Caroline. Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Sure. My question uh, relates to COVID uh, vaccination. Uh I'm high risk, and I've had my uh, booster shots way back in August before the official boosters were prepared. 
So when the CDC, I think it was CDC, approved for high-risk patients to uh, get that third shot. So mm-hmm. now uh, I'm worried about the efficacy of that booster shot because as I understand it, with uh, the new variant, um, these shots are only uh, good for about three to four months, and I'm, I'm going into my fifth month now. Now, I know that there are tests being done, I think, in Israel or another country, uh, and they're trying to come up with, you know, the protocol. But can you tell me, can you shed any light on when I can have that fourth uh, vaccine? Yeah, you, you're exactly right. And that's, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why are, are these working if we're having to get more? That's not unusual. There are other vaccines in series, and, uh, you know, flu is one that changes because viruses do change over time, particularly some more than others. Um, so it's not that surprising, particularly if you understand how coronaviruses work and how they, you know, if you look at the past 20 or 30 years in the history of them, they do change over time. Um, so the, the the answer to your question, though, is we don't know quite yet. You're right. In Israel, they are looking at a fourth dose of either Pfizer or Moderna. I can't remember which one. I think it's Pfizer there. Um, but they're looking at the efficacy of that. And unfortunately, that you're right. It does change. And we knew that uh, those who were vaccinated against the Delta variant was very effective. Um, unfortunately, Omicron is twice as as easy to get as Delta was. Delta was twice as easy to get as the first uh, Alpha and Beta variants. Um, thankfully, there's a 70% less chance of being hospitalized, particularly if you are vaccinated, um, so with the three doses. Um, so right now, I don't have any a, a timeline for this. I think that study, and that's not the only study looking at a fourth dose. They're looking at this um, in a couple other places. I've seen a couple other ones. I just can't um, um, it not bringing it up in my mind right now. But right. Um, but I would I would try to stay as safe as possible. I hope and predict, uh, and I have to beware with predictions, that this is going to be a very quick wave of two to four weeks. So if you can hunker down and uh, try to stay as safe as possible um, during that time, um, I'm hoping this is this is going to be a very quick one um, that doesn't cause as much problems as our, our last one did. But because it's so infectious, even that 30% that are going to be hospitalized um, you know that's that's going to cause a, a strain on uh, on the healthcare system. Uh-huh. We're already we've already seen an increase in in our admissions here uh, by at least forty percent um, in the last few weeks. So, well, I worked in healthcare for forty years, um, uh-huh. and um, not a, as a clinician, and so I followed these things. And my concern is I'm retired, and I have a little. Um, customer service job just to kind of, you know, ease the cash crunch. And given the fact that I'm now into the fifth month, and I understand about how this is not as serious in terms of the, um, you know, hospitalization and death rate, but the, the infection rate is just outrageous. Should I just go ahead and take a leave for a few weeks and say, let me just stay home? Yeah, if you, I mean, if you have that option, that might be something to consider. I think if you 
do want to continue working, I would I would wear a mask and I would wear one that's a lot more form fitting, like um, you know uh, an N95 or a KN95, um, and make sure that you don't have any gaps around your face. If you can physically distance and doing your job, that would be another thing. Make sure there's good air in the building. But if you can't do all that, I mean that is something to consider at least in the short term. I know there's a lot of people out there like we have had a, a huge impact on uh you know on on work and on the ability of people to continue doing what they need to do for themselves and their families so it's um it's certainly a big impact but yeah you may want to you know if if you have that option that might be something at least for a couple of weeks and then uh once this thing sort of blows through maybe go back to doing that well, other thing when I hit Mississippi, I know it's in the northeast and on the northwest or somewhere, but it's going to hit Mississippi and Alabama pretty soon. Well, I think it already it actually already is. So in the surveillance testing, Omicron's now surpassed Delta in the state, and it's about 60 to 70% of cases. And I don't know if you saw the numbers yesterday or a few days ago, but it was about 4,800 uh, in a day of new cases. I think that that is vastly underestimated, though, just because of all the home testing that's done. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I think it's here. Okay. Well, duck. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> all right. Stay safe, and uh, thank you for calling. This is Southern Remedy. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We had a caller that called in but uh, couldn't stay on the line. His name was Carl. Uh, he said that on the right side of his neck, he's had a felt a strong heartbeat, and he's wondering if he should be concerned about that. So um, very common. Uh, a lot of people will feel their heartbeat in different areas of their body. Almost everybody can do that if you get still enough. And so a lot of patients will say, hey, I hear my pulse or I feel my pulse uh, without putting my hand on my heart or on uh, an artery. Um, in, if it's in one side of the neck and if it's new, there are some things that you may be feeling that probably need to be looked at. There are three main arteries that supply blood to our, our head, to our brain, and the rest of the tissues in our head. And uh, there are two, the carotid arteries that are on the front of your neck, and there's a basilar artery on the back side of your neck. And, uh, of course, the most important organ that they're supplying blood to is the brain, but there are certainly other organs there, too. Uh, so if you do have a uh, stenosis, a blockage, and, and it can, doesn't have to be a total blockage in those arteries. Some patients can feel that. They can feel that just, or, or they can hear it. Um, and that could be an indication that you're, you're starting to get a reduced blood supply there, even if you don't have stroke-like symptoms or mini-stroke or TIA symptoms. Those are some things that you probably need to be looked at. Um, and it doesn't take a whole lot of, uh, you know, it's a, there's a simple way on physical exam to listen for what we call brewies, which are abnormal blood flow uh, to that area. And it just sort of sounds like a, a water hose that you've kinked off, uh, that little extra sound that we hear in the neck over that artery. Sometimes it's also a referred sound or sensation from something that's going on with the uh, with the valves in the heart. So, uh, and there's many other things too. There there can be uh, connections or fistulas or aneurysms, uh, but all of that 
I, I don't want to, you know, cause a lot of concern. Uh, it can be totally benign, but it is a pretty simple way to pick up on those. Uh, if the physical exam is normal, there's some other tests using ultrasound or a CT scan that can easily, um, if there's a, a high enough suspicion, to easily uh, diagnose those. So, my particularly if you're older and you have you, you have a history of smoking or high blood pressure or diabetes, definitely get that looked at um, by a physician and uh, see if uh, it's something that needs to be looked at a little bit more seriously. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, uh, getting some good uh, healthcare information to you, trying to answer your questions about any kind of uh, healthcare issue that you might be concerned about. You can reach us right now this morning at 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 877 We're going to go to Sue from Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm good. Good morning. I'm doing all right. I want to ask you a question. I, I heard recently that the uh, coronavirus is related to the cold virus. It causes common cold. And I wonder why researchers, after all these years, haven't found some kind of vaccine against the common cold. I know. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? It, because that causes more misery than anything else. And and what about just? I know the flu can change from season to season, but why, why aren't research? Why haven't they researched things, a vaccine for the common cold or? Or for that matter, try to find a vaccine against flu so you won't get the flu. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great point. So coronaviruses before COVID, there were a couple of other outbreaks in uh, the last decade or 20 years or so. One of them was called MERS, M-E-R-S, and that was in the Mediterranean. And it wasn't worldwide. It was pretty much localized there. And then there was a SARS-1, uh, and both of those were coronavirus variants. Um, and of course, this is this is a different variant. But prior to that, about 80% of the common cold um, uh, was caused by coronaviruses. So that's a lot, and it's a wow. nuisance, like you said. And uh, and flu's out there too. Every year we see it. Sometimes a little worse. Sometimes a little better. You know, it just just doesn't. Uh, uh, it's a little bit hard to predict about things. So, yeah, that's a good point, and a lot of people are are saying that now, and particularly with the first round of, um, you know, if if you could develop a vaccine that's very effective, and the first first round of coronavirus, you know, if you remember those numbers, 50% is sort of the cutoff 
of a vaccine being uh, effective and approved by the FDA. And that may sound like it's a little low, but if you think about it, if you decrease something that causes a lot of problems by 50 percent uh, of those who are vaccinated, that's a big impact. Well, we had 95 percent on that first round. If you had enough people vaccinated, um, you know, with a vaccine that that is that effective, you could you could really knock down, uh, you know, something like the common cold. And a lot of people are looking at that now like, okay, we know we can do this with an individual coronavirus. What if we looked at ways that we could affect all coronaviruses and just wipe the whole thing out? Not just COVID, but, um, but uh, you know, every type of coronavirus. And the same thing with flu. There's a lot of research. You know, of course, there was there – was, 10 plus years of research in in messenger RNA viruses prior to COVID. A lot of people think, well, this just popped up. Um, Actually, they were looking at it for a number of things. So now, um, you know, we've got a lot of evidence. We've got a lot of data on it. There is a lot of research of uh, extrapolating this and looking at what what else can we really make a big impact on. So I think those are two great comments. And immunologists, that is a huge area of research, not just in vaccinations, but other things. You know, uh, there, there was uh, there's a lot of this uh, of interest in uh, some cancer research as well. There was uh, initially, I think it was back in the mid to late 90s, there was a little bit of interest in immunologic response, particularly to melanoma with vaccinations, and uh, didn't get a whole lot of traction. But there's a there's a uh, a lot of interest in the immune system and how it can be modulated and helped uh, to to recognize things that are foreign like that, not just viruses, but also cancer. So, so that's a great area of research. We'll put you to work uh, with uh, some some research agencies. Sounds like you got some good ideas out there that could help them. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you for calling. This is uh, Southern Remedy. The number to call if you would have if you have a question about any kind of healthcare topic is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got Fletch on the line from Durant. Good morning, Fletch. Morning. Uh, same topic. Couple different questions. Okay. Um, are these are these variants in COVID three to six months apart? Is that similar to the one to two year difference in flu variants? Flu is a little bit different in that it has a couple of other animal vectors. So a vector is just another species of animal that um, that it affects. Of course, COVID does that too, but it doesn't have seem to have the same animal reservoir. We know dogs, cats. Uh, zoo animals can get it. Um, I even saw like a hippopotamus that was tested positive because they were sneezing and they tested it. So uh, I think that was in Berlin or somewhere. So flu, um, as it travels around the world year to year, it um, it it can cause changes in it, and there's predictable changes. The mutations that we're seeing with coronavirus uh, with with uh, COVID are a little bit different, and um, they're changes not to the Flu antigens, you know, you, you'll hear designations like H1N1 uh, and uh, type A and B flu, and those have to do with those antigens, or the, that's like sort of the puzzle pieces on the surface of it. Now, coronavirus has that too, and the, the biggest one that they've looked at is the spike protein on the on the surface of it. I think just about everybody's seen a, a representation of what it actually looks like. 
But there's other components of it as well, and you can have mutations there. Like there's 50 different mutations in Omicron from Delta. And what they think is, in particularly in people whose immune system was damaged in some way or not effective, the coronavirus, the longer it stays in an individual person and the more people that it infects, like all viruses, it's going to mutate subtly, and particularly in those individuals that it can hang out for long periods of time. Um, the faster your body can clear this, the better. So uh, another reason why you know immunization helps you to, to clear it and decreases the risk of, of increased mutation. So the variants are a little bit different in how they develop between those two. Um, Flu is sort of a mixing, if you can think of it that way, like there's this this components of it and then you mix it with something else. It's almost like you're mixing a, a cake or something like that or, or making different ingredients. But um, the uh, corona is a little bit different in how it, it mutates. Um, and, again, we've seen this with other viruses. Uh, HIV is a good example. When we first had uh, the development of antiretrovirals that were useful in the treatment of, of HIV, very quickly those people who were on one or two of those developed resistance to that because of mutations in the virus that sort of escaped their their efficacy. And then very quickly we were like, you know, it really makes sense to put people on uh, more than one medication um, uh, for HIV, and it worked. Um, it actually worked to have a couple of different uh, uh, ways to treat it. Good deal. You really answered my second question with the differences in influenza and, and, and corona. Um, but you did mention uh, how long COVID would stay in the host and how quickly you get rid of it. How long does, does it take for an individual to get rid of it if you're not hospitalized? It's pretty variable, and uh, from person to person, of course, it's going to depend on a number of things, just like if you think about somebody who gets, say, pneumonia, or if they get the common cold, how long do they have symptoms? Some people have symptoms for a day or two. Some people have symptoms for a week. On average, and this has to do a lot with the, with the um, you know, how long you isolate after getting it, on average, uh, usually you'll you'll get symptoms after exposure from day two to five. That's about the peak of when you're going to be shedding that virus. After day five, that goes down in somebody who's either had it recently or if they've been fully immunized against it, particularly if they've had that third dose. And uh, that's why they've been able to shorten that amount of time from 10 to five days. Now, you may have seen, uh, you know, there wasn't a recommendation. They, uh, there's a lot of, of uh, consternation about this with a lot of people. They said, well, what about, you know, an antigen testing? An antigen is going to test for not really super specific like the PCR testing, but the pieces of the virus that are still, that you can still detect in the nasopharyngeal passages. And if that is negative at day five, you can go back into your, you know, the workplace. You may still want to be careful. They are recommending a close-fitting mask so that you don't infect somebody else. But if you're still positive with that, then you may want to go the full 10 days. And if your immune system is knocked down, if you're, say, undergoing treatment for cancer, for instance, or you have an immunologic uh, disease that requires uh, some medications that might make your immune system not as strong, that's going to prolong how long you have that and how long you shed that virus. So those that that's a little bit different. You can make generalizations about the you know the public right now. I think if particularly if you're immunized, 
you, in five days if your symptoms have gone down. And that's another thing, too, is if you're still having fever, there's still virus that's being replicated in your system. It's still there in your, in your system, and you haven't quite cleared that yet. Um, that's just evidence that it's there. And then symptoms. If you're coughing your head off and it's not getting any better, uh, that's going to increase the amount of time that you're going to be able to spread it to somebody else. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you for calling. This is Southern Remedy. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to Jay from Macomb, who's been patiently holding. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Good. Uh, I'm an ophthalmologist uh, from Macomb. Uh, I was just going to share with you a, a case uh, that actually involved my wife. Uh, the, the caller earlier was mentioning a brewery, uh, or you mentioned a brewery. Um, this, my wife, so one day when I was in med school, uh, you know, we get our stethoscopes, and I'm listening to everything. I'm listening to my dog. I'm listening to everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I hear what I think is a brewery on my wife. And I'm like going, ooh, I've never heard a brewery before, but that sounds like a brewery. And, but being a young med student, I, I don't know anything, so didn't really pay much attention to it. Until one day, I'm in residency, and my wife comes home, first day of law school, and she goes, is this normal? And she occludes her external jugular, and a golf ball swells up on her neck. Wow. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, that's not normal. And I listen, and definitely a brewery. I'm like, okay, that's a brewery. And I go, we take her to my friend, uh, you probably know, Billy Crowder, uh, yeah, yeah. who was a cardiology resident at the time. And I said, is this normal? And he's like, no, it's not. And so she has some uh, 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 radiology, you know, uh, 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 arteriogram done. And she calls me and says, uh, the radiologists are confused. They don't know what's going on here. And so at the time I was doing a rotation with Maria Cerno, who was a neuro-ophthalmologist, and she says, bring her films over. And so we take them down, and I forget got the radiologist at UMC, uh, and we throw it up on the, on the, the, the uh, projector, and, and he goes, oh, she's got an internal, uh, uh, internal uh, maxillary uh, fistula. You know, what else you got? And <laughs> so she ends up getting it coiled, and she had a AVM, no history of trauma, just happened, and she got coiled, and you know, been fine ever since, but it was just a weird situation. I uh, just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, um, yeah it, um, it is It is interesting, like, how things present, and sometimes without any symptoms. And, of course, I've had similar interactions, you know, with, with students and residents and, and myself where you just run into people and you're, you're sort of trying to build up your skill set about what you can do. Right. And, and a, those AVMs, for those, so we're talking a lot of doc, doctor talk back and forth here. So, yep. But an AVM is an arteriovenous connection. So it's when an artery and a vein connect abnormally. 
um, and they can uh, it can cause a lot of problems with blood clots, can cause a lot of problems with if it bursts. Um, but um, I am glad that you noticed that and that you pursued that. That was uh, that was awesome. So um, that you know, and it just. Um, just a, a a weird finding like that. I've never heard of uh, somebody do that maneuver though on the spot. And uh, oh, <laughs> I it, bet that was, was a little a, disconcerting. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was like a like golf ball. And I was like, oh no, it's not normal. Don't do that anymore, please. Uh, <laughs> very scary. Well, thank you, Jay. Uh, we appreciate your call and uh, and uh, just another uh, indicator that if there's something that's going on like that, don't uh, just write it off as a neat thing to do as a bar trick. Uh, you need to get it looked at. <laughs> also, thank you so much for your information on COVID, and that's very per- I mean pertinent and uh, very. I mean, we know that getting vaccines, you you got to do it making things so much better for everybody absolutely absolutely thank you jay thank you take care i'm dr jimmy stewart thanks for listening to the original southern remedy podcast you can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org for a regular dose of medical information subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org or on your smart devices podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your questions and taking your calls about any kind of healthcare topic that you might have. If you're not able to call in today, then please send us an email. That email address is remedy at mpbonline.org. We do try to to respond to those individually, but also, if you give us permission, we like to share those with our larger audience. They're always great questions, and if you think you're the only person with an individual question out there and nobody else has what you have, you'd be surprised. There's lots of people out there that you might help by sharing those questions. Not only will you get the answer that you need, but you may help somebody else get that answer as well. We're going to go, oh, one thing I should mention, so I thought this was hilarious. So our our producer, uh, Kevin Farrell, uh, mentioned that uh, we're talking about breweries, which are abnormal uh, sounds uh, over arteries, and it's, uh, he said, we know about a brewski, but uh, we don't know what a brewery is, (laughs) so. That was hilarious. And it's spelled, for any of those of you who are curious, if you want to, like, you can Google this and actually hear it on YouTube. There's lots of different uh, um, recordings of stethoscope. It's B-R-U-I-T, B-R-U-I-T. So there you have it. Let's go to Mikey from Mobile, who's been patiently holding. Good morning, Mikey. Oh, no, I haven't been all that patient, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so, um, but, I, and I, but I'm calling to say... What bravery 
that last caller and his wife, both. I mean, you know, um, a med student and a law student, he better watch out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, uh, But the transparency and the information that was transmitted to the rest of us out here who are not people who are in training for those professions, who do not have those backgrounds. And then, you know, you're explaining it in non-doctor, you know, (laughs) translating the doctorese to the rest of us is, uh, I don't know, there's, there's no value we can put on it. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that, Mikey. And, um, you know, it's, uh, we, we try to tell, you know, you think that certainly there's a lot, I had a lot of good teachers, um, a lot of physician teachers and, uh, PhD teachers, uh, along the way. Um, but, um, patients always teach us the best things. If we listen to our patients, if we really, uh, look and see what's going on with them, they're the ones who do it. And, and on this program, I think it's all of our callers, uh, certainly teach us. So we appreciate that, Mikey, and, uh, thank you for, for calling in. We're going to go to our last caller of the hour, who is Jerry from Pearl. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. I've got some great news. I guess you can tell the sarcasm in my voice. <laughs> okay. Um, what is it, Jerry? Sitting in the doctor's waiting room, I looked at Yahoo News, and apparently there's a new variant that has emerged in France. Uh-oh. Well, you know, there, there you have it. So yeah. everybody wear your mask. Get your shots, please. It's only going to work if we all work on it. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, a good thing to say. I, I wish um, you know I've, I've been looking historically at how uh, we as a nation have have addressed different things over time, and it's interesting. Sometimes you find the the exact same pushback over over issues. Certainly, uh, you know, like with the uh, initial. Um, uh, with the initial influenza pandemic uh, that happened right around 17, 1917, 1918. But even before that, uh, there were a lot of, of issues with smallpox and yellow fever. And um, and there's always, you always have to sort of look at the risk versus, you know, what and, and the impact there. And certainly death is the, is the biggest impact over how things are going to be affected. But it is quite... Um, uh, encouraging to look at the times that we've come together as a nation, not divided, but say, saying we're going to address this as a whole, and we're going to beat this. And you, you certainly saw that with uh, with smallpox uh, on a global scale, where we we're like, you know what, we're going to beat this. And uh, still to this day, the only uh, viral infection that we've been able to eradicate uh, in the in the wild, um, you know, uh, globally, and that's uh, that was a huge major deal. And I, I'm not saying we're going to be able to do that for everything. There's probably still going to be at, at every point in time something that comes up um, that we have that we can fight. But you're right. I I would like to see us have more of a um, a really well thought out and uh, even even beyond that a, a a plan, but even beyond that a a way that we can come together and really stand uh, side by side and say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna beat this no matter what. I hope so. Well, Jerry. Uh, 
keep your head up, man, and uh, stay stay safe, stay as safe as you can, but uh, also stay connected to other people. That's really important. And uh, I want to encourage everybody out there to do that. It's so easy to uh, for a lot of people to just sort of retreat. And, uh, you know, people say, hey, I, I don't want to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid either. There are certainly a lot of things that we know that we didn't know to begin with about coronaviruses and about all kinds of ways to protect yourself. And um, certainly there's some things that you can do, and that gives you a lot of empowerment so that you don't have to feel like you have to crawl up in a cave somewhere. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can... Please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.